98.7 FM. FM, Arizona's sports station. Are you sitting comfortably? Yeah. Then I'll begin. Okay. Here we go. Arizona sports goes local. Local. That is awesome. We're giving the mic to local hosts right here in Phoenix. Whoa, snap. Because what's a Saturday without sports? Uh, 98.7 FM, Arizona's Sports Station. Arizona Sports Saturday. Happy Saturday to all of you Valley sports fans. It is the only live and local Saturday sports show here in the Valley. Mitch Vareldis, Steve Zinsmeister, Trevor Henry. We are Arizona Sports Saturday live here from the Oxygen Community Studios. And I got to tell you, Steve... Feeling really grateful about today. I didn't realize that this this week was a uh, holiday in the Valley. It appears to be a contract extension week. Oh, yeah. You didn't uh, hear? No, I, I was unaware that this was all going to come down within, like, I don't know, like three days of each other. I got to tell you, and of course I said it jokingly on my Twitter account, at SwingAnimich, if you want to find it, at Steve underscore Zins. If oh, you want thanks to find for throwing him. me in the mix. I feel like it's only fair. Trevor, do you have a tr- Twitter account you want me to plug to? Showtime3031. <laughs> I'm going to go follow that right now if I don't already. So I put out in a tweet to promo the show today Steve Keim, Cliff Kingsbury, yeah. Devin Booker, DeAndre Ayton, Kyler Murray, and then literally reported two hours before our show from ESPN's Adrian Wojnarowski. Monty Williams. Monty Williams, the latest with a contract extension. We don't know the uh, particulars of a deal yet. Um, that might come down here soon. Or uh, Honestly, coaching extensions, I feel like you don't always get the details. I mean, did we ever get a lot of details for Kime and Cliff? We don't know what Cliff's I getting think we paid. Got we don't know what Kime's getting paid. We know they're both going to be here for the through 2028, for as long as Kyler. Is it 28? I'm pretty sure. Yeah, I thought it might have been 27, but I could be wrong. Um, Monty Williams, obviously deserving of this. Uh, My my initial reaction to him getting extended is, yeah, no duh. No kidding. Agreed. Agreed. (laughs) Um, Because before Monty Williams... Listen, I thought that there were some interesting coaches here. I thought that Jay Triano deserved an opportunity. I thought Jeff Hornacek did a lot better with his teams uh, than he got credit for. Mm-hmm. Obviously, if you want to go way back, I, I loved Mike D'Antoni. He created probably the most exciting era of basketball that the Suns had seen since the 90s. Yep. Um, I even thought, at the time, I liked Earl Watson. He was uh, a super great guy. I thought he created... He was an interesting culture guy. That, that but one he just, just didn't, didn't have the X's out. and the O's. It didn't pan out well on the court. So, no. like, sure, culture is fine, but you right. got to get a blend of both. And Monty Williams is the perfect epitome of a blend of good on-court product and culture in the locker room. Exactly. And more than anything, this is a guy that players want to play for. And I think between Monty and Chris Paul, you can probably point to those two guys and the acquisitions of both those guys as the turning point for this organization. Because the second you get Monty, I mean, I know that season didn't go great, but you go 8-0 in the bubble. I think he plays a huge role in that. Then second season, you go to the NBA Finals with that Suns team. Then in the third season, you set a career, uh, a franchise record for wins in a regular season with 64. I think that there's, and in season none four, of those you are might, a small feat on their own. In season four, you might get Kevin Durant. Hey, it's possible. But Monty Williams plays a massive role in all of that. To I your point. Kevin Durant wants to play for Monty. And he wants to play with Booker. The other thing, too, is 
Chris, why did Chris want to play for Monty? Because they had a relationship dating back to their days in, uh, I guess it would have been Charlotte or New Orleans. No, New Charlotte Orleans. Charlotte slash New Orleans, but I yeah. think it was just New Orleans. New Orleans, yeah. it was. I, I always forget because they changed the team names and everything. But yeah, it would have been in New Orleans uh, when he was the head coach there. And then also, too, he's got relationships with all these guys from uh, being an assistant coach under Coach K for the Team USA. So, mm-hmm. listen... Guys around the league respect Monty Williams. I thought it was a huge deal when they got Monty because the other team that I remember was looking into Monty Williams was the L.A. Lakers. Mm-hmm. And had that, that happened? Felt, that, at that time, felt like a huge victory. Right. It's like, for once, the Suns could finally beat the Lakers in something. And it felt minuscule in comparison to all of the games in the postseason of the D'Antoni era that the Suns lost to the Lakers in. But just even getting the head coach that they were interested in the most felt like a huge, huge victory for the Valley. And as you've already mentioned, look at what it's brought this team. He's two-time coach of the year by the uh, NBA Coaches Association. Mm -hmm. Monty might be the best coach in the league right now. You could probably make a case for that. You could definitely make a case for that. He's got one of the higher winning percentages. He's gone to the NBA Finals in the last two years. He had the number one team in the NBA in the regular season last year. It's pretty hard to argue that there's a lot of better coaches than Monty. I mean, you could you could go based on like uh, you know career, and you could say Popovich is still up there. Obviously, Steve Kerr just won another title, and he's got a bunch of those. So I would be okay with people arguing that Steve Kerr is the better coach. Mm-hmm. But other than that, I mean, there's not a lot of guys that I put in the upper echelon of coaching in the NBA like I do Monty Williams. And it's happened so quickly. And even more important than what's happening on the court, I think that the culture that the Phoenix Suns have now is so dramatically different from even three years ago Mm -hmm. when the team won 19 games a handful of years ago. And there's just this thing. uh, Gambo was talking about it this week. Building a winning culture is so important because losing games just wears on everybody. And from the minute that Monty stepped into the organization, there was no sense of that. After all those years that the Suns were just a losing franchise, Mm -hmm. even even when you had Jeff Hornacek leading them to, I think it was 48 wins in his first season as head coach. They just missed the postseason. You still just had this vibe like, okay, we're still not a good team. Yeah. Even though we won 48 games. So if I were to guess, so based on Adrian Wojnarowski's report, he says... There's two years left of the original five-year deal that Williams signed when he joined the Suns and now moves under contract for several more years, sources said. Here's what I'm going to comp it with. Devin Booker's upcoming Supermax, he becomes a UFA in 2028. You think that these two are going to be tied together until the end of that contract? Because that would be my best guess. Through 2028, you said? So 2027, 2028 being the final season of Booker's Supermax, which he's not in yet. I have to imagine that's how long Williams is extended to, if not longer. Several, the, 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 the word several can have so many different interpretations. It could mean as few as two or three years, but it also could mean as many as you know 10 to 20. Well, if I remember right, I think Monty already had two years left. Yes. So adding an extra two means it's another four years from now, right? So mm-hmm. you're looking at like 2026. So, yeah, is it possible that they're adding four more years onto it and you get them for six more seasons? Yeah, that's totally plausible. And so imagine I can see that. Imagine how good a Phoenix Suns core could be if you are guaranteed to have Monty Williams and Devin Booker 
up until almost 2030. Imagine an almost decade of Monty Williams and Devin Booker leading the Phoenix Suns. Well, and I like that you tied him to Booker because I actually, my first reaction was tying him to someone else, and that's James Jones. Mm. Because James Jones is around for a while, mm-hmm. and I thought I think James has done a fantastic job. I mean, if he pulls off a deal for Kevin Durant, then we can have a whole other discussion about how good oh, a job he's it, doing. It is going to be... He might win Executive of the Year just on that alone. City. Right. So... It's a thing that you see in sports, and it's a thing that we've seen here in the Valley already this this year, mm-hmm. when the Cardinals signed both Steve Keim and their coach Cliff Kingsbury to deals that are concurrent. They're locking them together. And I remember how incredibly important, in my mind, it became that the coach and the GM are on the same page when Keim hired Bruce Arians. That was when I first saw a relationship between GM and coach really flourish. In the valley, because at that time we hadn't really seen that. There was just always this weird disconnect with the Suns. I don't feel that Ryan McDonough really ever had a strong connection to any of those head coaches he had. No, um, I don't necessarily. I, I never really felt it with the Coyotes either. There was uh, the Don Maloney. And, you can't use the word stability with that organization. It, yeah, yeah. And so I never really felt it. I, I, I will say this though: when Mike Hazen came over and he hired Tori Lavello, I definitely felt it there because they were coming from the same organization. They, they also went time. To the- Playoffs their first season. Right. Well, if they had played baseball together in the minors. It felt good at the time, but now we're looking at it with hindsight, and we're thinking, okay, it's stable, but it's not going in the direction that we want it to. Yeah, it's it's the -the off-the-field stuff you want without the -the on-the-field victories. But to bring it back to, to James, I think you finally found something stable in the Suns organization, which, like we mentioned before, I, I don't know that I've felt that in a very, very long time for them. It's good. It's a good feeling. This is a It's a really good week. <laughs> this is a positive move by this Phoenix Suns organization. Now, I think you and I can both agree and we'll get more into it later. There's still a lot that they need to do. Yeah. There is a big elephant in the room or rather waiting in Brooklyn that they need to address still. But for right now, tying up your head coach to this organization for several more years, that's a huge win for them. I want to close with this little nugget from our own Kellen Olson that he just put out there. Monty Williams won 149 games in his first three seasons as Suns head coach. After four different head coaches across the previous five seasons, won a combined 126 games. Just saying. So Monty Williams in three seasons has done more than what four coaches over five years have done. That's pretty cool. I think each of those coaches had their own merits, like we talked about. Monty kind of just brings them all together. He doesn't have a lot of weak spots, if any. Coming up next, as Steve mentioned, it is, of course, you know, contract extension week here in the Valley. And yeah, Monty Williams was not the only one to get an extension week. And you know who we're talking about next on Arizona Sports Saturday. 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station. Arizona Sports Saturday. Look at you, Trev. Hey, I, I like it when y'all give me the rundown so I can figure out what to play when we rejoin. Oh, he did that on purpose. I see. It is Arizona Sports Saturday. Steve Zinsmeister, Mitch Varell, this with you. It is uh, Money, Money, Money Week here in the Valley. Kyler Murray getting his money, just like Monty Williams got his today, apparently. He gets a contract extension. A whole bunch of bags. You get a contract. You get a contract. You get a contract. Everybody except Steve and I get contracts. Well, you know, I'm not complaining. Um, Kyler Murray getting a deal this week. 
he's going to be around through 2028. How important was it for him to get this deal done before camp started? I mean, <laughs> I, I want to be here, you know, so for me, it was a... Uh, Obviously, it was a big deal, but um, you know, now that's done, I'm focused on you know getting a locker room with the guys, getting on the field. Um, that's the fun part for me. That's the exciting part for me is going to practice, uh, waking up every morning, understanding I get to throw a football and be around be around guys that I love. Um, you know, there's there's no better feeling like um, than playing this game, honestly. So uh, I'm very grateful for this situation. Kyler Murray from his press conference yesterday also wanted to emphasize that his focus this offseason was on being better as a quarterback and not on the negotiations. My focus on getting better um, and I think we you know we've had a lot of discussions on how how we do that obviously working hard on you know off the field or, or you know out of the building but um, that's my focus you know I, I wasn't really too worried about the negotiations or you know what they discuss uh, behind closed doors um, anybody close to me you know will tell you you know uh, all I care about is winning and all I care about is going to work and working hard so um, that was my focus. And quite frankly, Steve, I have no reason to disbelieve Kyler Murray. No, I mean, some guys in any sport, in football in particular, take a stronger interest in their contract negotiations than others. Remember Russell Okung did his own deal? Ugh. Remember that whole ordeal? Yeah. And then uh, we were talking Lamar Jackson, who's probably the next big quarterback to get paid. Oh, he, he's, money. he's doing his own negotiations. Some guys, they want to do that. I know some radio hosts who love negotiating their contracts. They love looking their boss in the eye across the desk and saying, here's the reason you should pay me. They don't got to commission their agent either. Some guys love that. Other guys, they just want to ball, man. They just want to go out there and ball. ball. And he does. He held up his end of the bargain. I mean, this is what you plan to do when you draft a guy. All you hear on draft night in the NFL is, they got their guy at quarterback for the next 10 years. Well, I hate to break it to you, but rookie contracts are not 10 years long. No. They're four years, and then you get a fifth-year option if it's a first-round pick, which they took him up on. And then you sign him to an extension for another five years, and all of a sudden, boom, 10 years. In general, very rarely... Does the idea of even a 10-year contract exist? So you're using the idea of five years as a rookie and then the five-year extension. Boom, 10 years. Right. The example that I'm thinking of when I think of 10 years is Patrick Mahomes, who got half a billion over 10 years. Well, but that was his his extension was 10 years, right? Right. Yeah. So tied to Kansas City for 15 years. So that's actually an interesting aspect of this, because if you look at the top quarterback contracts. Aaron mm-hmm. Rodgers is number one in terms of annual uh, salary. Patrick Mahomes has probably the biggest deal in terms of total money, if I had to guess. Uh, Kyler is now the second highest average just above Deshaun Watson, but his is fully guaranteed because the mm-hmm. Browns had to convince him to move to Cleveland, which I think is uh, probably the most difficult That's a part loss of that. in itself. So each contract is different, right? Even though they all make comparable money per year, Deshaun's getting it all guaranteed. So that's what makes him different. Mahomes is going to be in Kansas City for 10 years. That's what makes his different. Aaron Rodgers makes about $4 million more per season than anybody else. That's what makes his contract different. Mm-hmm. So for Kyler to get this deal, he's kind of right in the middle of all of that. What I find interesting, and this is courtesy of OverTheCap.com, they're really good at breaking down the football contracts and the salaries and how it affects the salary cap. Kyler Murray is going to be getting 12.7, rounding it up. He's going to be making 12.7 of this contract this season. That's his cap number. Yeah. Right. 16 the next year in 2023. And not until 2024 does it jump to 51.9. Whew. So yeah, that's a lot. So here's what it does. 
If you're Steve Kime, you have an opportunity to build around this for at least two years. At least with the flexibility of going after like elite superstars or paying a DeAndre Hopkins, for example, or paying a J.J. Watt or paying a Zach Ertz. Like you have the flexibility with these particular two years. But when Kyler creeps into that $50 million cap hit, you don't have as much flexibility. Not as much. You can still make it happen. I mean, listen, there's, like I mentioned, there's a bunch of other good quarterbacks in this league who make this amount of money, and sure. their teams work around their cap hits. Except for the Green Bay Packers. Well, yeah, they, they don't believe in drafting wide receivers, apparently. But my point still stands that, yeah, you're right. For the next two seasons, they're going to have the luxury of having a low cap number on Kyler. Mm-hmm. It's still his rookie deal for the next two years, Pretty essentially, much, yeah. is what it is. I think they actually brought that 2023 cap number down. So now that it's 16, I think it was higher originally. And we know the league's salary cap is going to boom in a few years anyway. So maybe this will be irrelevant. But looking at True. it right now, you understand that as the Cardinals, you have more flexibility in these two years with Kyler than you will once he gets into the meat of that new contract. And what's key about that, too, is that Steve Kime, the general manager of the Cardinals, said during the press conference yesterday that Kyler asked for that team-friendly language in his contract. I would say from my standpoint that, that you know not only does the player get taken care of, but there is some team-friendly things in there that, that were important to Kyler. So that says a lot about him as a teammate and as a competitor, that he wants good players around him, and he understands that. But at the same time, we knew that we had to reward him as well for the great play and what all he's accomplished and really what the expectations are moving forward, which are extremely high. And I think one of the big arguments that we had leading up to this actual extension is, well, if you get all this money now, then where's all the money for the rest of the guys on your team? Look, a quarterback can only take you so far. Aaron Rodgers is a one in a million. Tom Brady is a one in a million. Kyler Murray can easily be seen as a one in a million, but he hasn't been fully healthy the last couple of years. When his number one receiver is down, the offense goes down with him. You start to worry, and this is granted before the contract details came out, you start to worry and wonder if Kyler Murray can accomplish everything he wants to by just being the best him that he can be. Well, listen, Kyler Murray's not without his flaws, and I'm not saying he's a bad quarterback. I think he's... We talked just last Saturday about how we think uh, that he's probably the most talented, all-around talented quarterback in the entire league. Right. Does that mean he's put it all together yet? No, I don't think he's had his best season as a pro yet. I think that's still to come. And that's part of the reason you pay a guy like this, right? On potential. I think Aaron Rodgers, we know what he is by now. I don't think Aaron Rodgers is getting any dramatically better over time. Tom Brady, don't think he's getting any dramatically better over time. Russell Wilson even, I would say, probably not going to get dramatically better over time. Kyler Murray can still get better. There's still areas where he can improve. 100%. And this is going to be a really bad example of proving my point, but go with me for a second. Okay. I don't care at all what your rating is on Madden. I do not. Me neither. But tell me this isn't indicative of the narrative surrounding Kyler Murray nationally. Okay. He's an 84 out of 99 on Madden. There are at least 10 quarterbacks higher than him. I can back your point. Are you ready? Go ahead. Dak Prescott's an 89. Who would you say is a better quarterback? Uh, Justin Herbert, who he's apparently one overall better than. 
My my point isn't about Madden here. My point is no. simply there's a national narrative around Kyler that he still has a lot of flaws, and he does have some. I mean, we've both talked about how we'd like to see personal growth and leadership. We think that the body language on the field, the communication with his receivers could dramatically improve. That playoff game was the worst game he's ever played. Right. And it wasn't all his fault, but it's still the worst game he ever played. I'm riding with you on the national narrative. It's my point because Dak Prescott being rated as high as he is on Madden is clearly a Dallas Cowboys influence. How many playoff games have the Dallas Cowboys won since the Dak Prescott's been their quarterback? I'm going to go with zero. It's as many as Kyler Murray has won. I'm going to go with zero. <laughs> so what difference does it make if Dak Prescott is seen as a better quarterback, but he has fewer playoff wins than Kirk Cousins and Nick Foles? I'm just saying. Yeah, no, I mean, listen. I'm with you on the national narrative. I am. And and neither you or I could care less what people are rated in a video game. It doesn't really matter to me. Those things change over time anyway. But our point is simply, there is this narrative around. There's this stereotype that Kyler is a run-first quarterback who's just going to scramble out of the pocket. He's not tall enough. Every national radio station talks about, oh, it's... Always air raid offense. Cliff Kingsbury's got to change it up. Kyler Murray, all he does is run out of the pocket. Like, no. If you watch a Cardinals game, you understand how much they're trying to evolve this offense. You know what I thought was funny about this press conference? I don't even know if you have this clip, so don't go looking for it. But at the very beginning in his, I don't know what you would call it, opening statement, Mm -hmm. Kyler mentioned, I knew the Cardinals would take heat for drafting me because I was 5'10". First and foremost, I want to thank uh, Coach Kingsbury. I want to thank Michael. I want to thank Steve. Um, you know, three years ago, we were all in here. Uh, after getting drafted, it was a, one of the best days of my life. Um, and today, three years from here, uh, from there, um, you know, signing extension. Um, for me, man, it's it's a it's a blessing. Uh, I'm, I'm I'm so grateful and honored, you know, for the confidence that they've shown in me. Um, the faith that they've shown in me to take a 5'10 quarterback that's never been done before. Um, and I understood, you know, the, the heat that they would take, um, you know, for doing that. Um, but for me, man, it's, 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 it's like I said, I'm thankful. It's a blessing. Just to kind of acknowledge that, I thought it was kind of interesting. There were some other parts in that press conference that I want to talk about a, bit, a little bit later. He had one quip at his agent that I thought was a really interesting uh, pulling back of the curtain, revealing some things behind the scenes. We'll talk about that later in the show. Coming up next, if the Suns are going to acquire Kevin Durant, how many other teams is it going to take in that deal? And also, could they get more than just Durant? We'll talk about that possibility next on Arizona Sports Saturday. 98.7 FM, Arizona's Sports Station. It's Arizona Sports Saturday. Mitch Veraldis, Steve Zinsmeister, Trevor Henry. Behind the glass, keeping you company on this Arizona Sports Saturday. We're celebrating contract extension week here in the Valley, in case you didn't know, the latest holiday. No, we're kidding. It's just coincidental. It kind of feels like it, though. Yeah, it's coincidental because Kyler Murray got his contract extension on Thursday, officially. And then in case you missed the story today, Adrian Wojnarowski from ESPN, the Suns and Monty Williams have agreed to a long-term contract extension. That is just source material for the moment. The Suns have not announced anything on yet, but that yet on that yet. I'm combining words today, but we assume that that announcement will come down eventually. And Monty still has two years left on the original correct. deal, so, so this would be in addition to that. This and my prediction earlier was it would be like a five-year extension. I think that ties him to Devin Booker, which would mean that Monty Williams 
is the head coach and Devin Booker is your starting shooting guard from now through the 2028 season. If you want to oversimplify it, all of the good people in Arizona sports, like in the Valley right now, all the ones you would want to keep are locked up through 2028. <laughs> like, yeah. that's how it feels. I don't know the exact years on every single person, but like Booker just signed a max extension. Uh, Aiton just signed a good deal that's going to keep him here for a few years. Um, you got ha- Monty, you got James locked up, you've got Steve Kime locked up, Kyler Murray, Cliff Kingsbury. I mean, that's pretty much like everybody that you would want for stability purposes. Right. In football, that's your quarterback, your coach, your GM. In basketball, that's your coach, your GM, your superstar. And your number one pick. I mean, like, everybody's locked up now. I feel pretty good about this. Cato Marte signed an extension especially recently. I don't know if that matters to people, but... Especially for your two money-making sports. Yeah. That's huge. We'll see where it takes them. We forgot about Cattell. When did he sign that deal? That was uh, spring training. Extension. Spring training? That was this year. A very team-friendly deal, too. Like That's the best five player year, on the Diamondbacks. Five-year 70-ish, somewhere around there. It's a good deal. Yeah. Especially the way he's been hitting as of late. Everybody's getting extensions. Yeah, everybody's getting extensions except Steve and I. Now, the Suns are not done with this offseason. The offseason itself still has a few months to go. But the Suns are also kind of lacking in a big area of improvement that they were looking towards. And that is somebody who can pick up the slack when it ain't working with Chris Paul and Devin Booker. And I'll throw DeAndre Ayton in there as well. A reliable other scorer. Now, whether that comes off the bench or whether that's in the starting lineup, who is it going to be? We are still waiting for the elephant in the room or the elephant in Brooklyn, Steve, to be addressed in Kevin Durant. Yeah, so here's the latest that uh, we heard from John Gambadoro yesterday afternoon. He reported that there is someone somewhere out in the ether who is looking into the possibility of a four-team trade for Kevin Durant. Mm-hmm. I don't know who it is. We don't know if it's a member of an organization. Uh, we don't know. We have we, no idea who it is, but somebody out there is... Yeah is aware and looking into the possibility of a four-team deal between Brooklyn that would you know essentially send Kevin Durant to Phoenix, Utah would send Donovan Mitchell to New York, to the Knicks. Now, the Knicks are the new element here because the right. Knicks are reportedly desperate for Donovan Mitchell. He's a local kid. I thought they were desperate for Jalen Brunson. Uh, well, they've been desperate for multiple people. This ah, okay, That's kind okay. of how the Knicks operate. Um would they be willing to overpay what a lot of people would consider overpay for Donovan Mitchell? That could re-engage the Utah Jazz in this whole mix. Because remember, at first we talked about, reportedly, the Jazz were somewhat interested about maybe talking about bringing in possibly DeAndre Ayton. It was the Coyotes' new arena analogy. They are interested in having discussions about the possibilities of. Right. It wasn't, we're interested in Aiton. It's, well, well, we'll talk about it. Yeah. And so that was when people started putting together, like, okay, maybe it's a Suns, Nets, Jazz, Pacers deal. Well, now the Pacers are kind of out of that, so we, we take them out. Well, mm-hmm. now the Jazz don't really have anything going for them. But then they were l- willing to listen on Donovan Mitchell. So now all of a sudden, you just need a team that's interested in Donovan Mitchell. Here comes the Knicks, who, to your point, missed uh, uh, did the Jalen Brunson deal. Yes. Now they're like, well, we have a unique opportunity to overpay in draft picks because we got Jalen Brunson in cash. Like I'd feel in free agency. I'd personally feel pretty good about a backcourt of Jalen Brunson and Donovan Mitchell. Sure. That and you still have fun. Julius Randle, who's a pretty good player. I you mean, brought back Mitchell Robinson. Right. Like, that's that's a decent team. If you bring in Donovan Mitchell to that Knicks team, you're better than what you were last year. I don't know that you're a contender. 
Yes, but you are definitely better, better than what you were last year. And really, that's all the Knicks are What I for. find unique about this scenario, so I think we've painted out the four teams, right? Yes, we have the four teams. Phoenix, Brooklyn, Utah, and the Knicks. So it's obvious what everybody wants, right? The Suns want Kevin Durant. The Knicks want Donovan Mitchell. Utah is looking to start over. They guaranteed just want picks, and they'll probably take whatever salary dumps you can offer them. Brooklyn's the interesting one, in my opinion. Brooklyn has zero control over their own picks because they traded them all to Houston to get James Harden two years right. ago. Bad trade. Brooklyn is also, if they sacrifice Kevin Durant, probably not a team that you would consider an immediate tanker. No. Or a team that immediately wants to tank. There's no reason to. One, because they don't have the picks, as I mentioned. But two, they're invested in Ben Simmons. They currently still would have Kyrie Irving under the final year of his deal. They brought back key role players. They're going to get Joe Harris back from injury. Like, Brooklyn's not in a bad place in an Eastern Conference that is far weaker in comparison to some of the best teams in the West. So there's a greater opportunity for a Brooklyn team that made it as a seven seed last year to stay in that play in range and sneak into the playoffs again next year, which would keep them out of the lottery and make it less likely for Houston to get a really good pick when that time comes around. So if you're Brooklyn, you kind of want role players and picks, which makes it very interesting because you've got Utah, who is maybe at the asking price of Rudy Gobert for Donovan Mitchell, which was close to five first-round picks, and then this Brooklyn team that has no picks and probably wants to replace them while remaining competitive. Brooklyn's a real wild card in this four-teamer. In my opinion. Oh, they're a wild card in any iteration of a trade for Kevin Durant. But I think the hardest part to figure out, we've been asking it for weeks, what do you you want? You know, it's the Ryan Gosling notebook scene. What do you you want? What do you want? Is it raining outside, too? (laughs) Right. The other aspect of this, though, is between the Knicks and the Suns, are there enough first-round picks to move Mitchell and Durant? You know what I mean? Because that's essentially what it comes down to. The, the players, the money, they can figure that out. The Suns have players. The Knicks have players. The, the Nets have a couple players they could move if they needed to. Uh, the Jazz have a couple role players that could move. That part will figure itself out. That's money. That's, that's numbers. Right. That's math. Right. But the picks are, are how you get the deal done. How many can the Knicks give up? How many can the Suns give up? Do teams want the Suns picks? Because if they get Durant and you have Booker, Paul, Ayton, and Durant, how valuable are those picks for the next couple of years? Probably not, not very. Uh, the Knicks picks, if they get Donovan Mitchell, how, how valuable are those? That's debatable. So are there enough picks to go around here? Here's the really interesting thing that we heard from Gambo yesterday. Okay. There's a possibility that within this trade iteration, the Suns could walk away with more than just Kevin Durant. Hmm. They could land Durant, and if you're afraid of gutting your team, which we've heard the Suns are not willing to gut the team and trade everybody they have for Durant. Very hesitant to give up the likes of, you know, Bridges, Camp Johnson, those guys. So could they come back and say, hey, I know we're getting Durant, but we also want a role player. Some of the names Gambo threw out yesterday as possibilities. New York has Obi Toppin. Player out of Dayton, first-round pick. He could be an interesting role player. Power forward, stretch five, good option there. There's a guy in, in Utah that, I mean, like, if they're not, if they're truly rebuilding, then there's really no point in them having Boyan Bogdanovich. Patrick Beverly. Malik Patrick Beasley. Beverly could be on the move. Malik Beasley could be on the move. He just came over from Minnesota. So there is a possibility 
that the Suns could not just get Kevin Durant, but also if you're losing Mikel Bridges and Jay Crowder and maybe even Cam, uh, well, the campaign, but Cam Johnson too, you're losing two starters there in Crowder and Mikel, but you get one back in Durant, you still need a fifth starter. Right. Could Bogdanovich be that guy? Could Obi Toppin be that guy? Could, I don't know, like a Cam Thomas in Brooklyn be that guy? There are other pieces involved here that the Suns could end up getting their hands on. It'll be really interesting if this all comes together, this hypothetical scenario that Gambo was reporting yesterday. If this all comes together, I mean, this city would go berserk. Because, I mean, we already mentioned all the contracts that got bagged this summer in Arizona. The Kevin Durant trade, landing him in Phoenix, this market would go insane. There's not a better big four than that, right? No. In the entire league. I mean, there's teams you could argue are still better. Like, the Warriors obviously just had a phenomenal finals run. But is there any better big four than Paul, Booker, Ayton, and Durant? And I'll close with this, too. It's not just the teams that benefits. It's the city. And think about what Arizona's got coming up for them. Think about what Phoenix has got coming up for them this next calendar year. Waste Management Open, which we've got every January into February. The Super Bowl is going to be here this year. True. It was just announced the World Baseball Classic will have one of its first-round matches here in the Valley. And, of course, spring training. There's going to be a lot of money funneling in. And the Kevin Durant deal would just push it way over the top. Coming up next, this was a really good week for the Arizona Cardinals. It wasn't just Kyler Murray that made it that way. But what is left for them to do... As training camp rolls around, that's next on Arizona Sports Saturday. Arizona Sports goes local. It's Arizona Sports Saturday, 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station. Hey, thanks for checking out Arizona Sports Saturday. Steve Zinsmeister, Mitch Vareldis with you. Thanks for spending part of your day with us. It's been a really good week, I'm not going to lie. Today Fantastic we found, week. Today we found out about Monty Williams. He's going to be locked up to a contract extension. Yep. Earlier in the week, we found out about Kyler Murray. I think it was Thursday. We found out Kyler Murray, contract extension. There was a press conference yesterday. We'll get a little bit more into that here in a bit. Mm-hmm. Um, it's really been a hell of a year. Devin Booker gets a Supermax. Uh, Steve Keim, Cliff Kingsbury, Cattell Marte, if you want to go into baseball Yeah, a I feel bit. bad for not including... Everybody's getting contract extensions. Yeah these days. Uh, Let's talk specifically about Kyler Murray and how that impacts the Arizona Cardinals. Uh, The other good bit of news that we got this past week was Rodney Hudson. For the last couple of weeks, it's been a weird question mark. Where is Rodney Hudson? What's going on with him? All Mm -hmm. we really knew was that he didn't show up to minicamp and that it was labeled an unexcused absence by the Cardinals. Yes. We didn't know what that meant. Obviously, all of his teammates get asked about it. Mm-hmm. His mates on the on the offensive line get uh, asked about that, and I was really concerned. I got to the point where I was like, "I'm pretty sure this guy is no longer a Cardinal. I'm pretty sure he's retiring or something. Yeah, something happened personally. I don't know what it was." Um, we found out this week he's coming back. That he had been uh, somewhat injured. He had had a child recently. Was trying to figure out for himself, "Do I want to come back?" And hey, listen, to each their own. That, those are life sure. decisions. You get to pick that, not me. Look, we don't play football, but we understand how much of a toll it takes on you. Week to week, you, it's always described as in every week it's like getting into a car accident and then having to do it again. Right? Your body just gets beat up. So, like, I get it. At the, at the age that Rodney Hudson is, which is, you know, 30s, early 30s, 
And he's been doing it really well for a while, and he plays in the trenches, as Ron Wolfley likes to say. I can only imagine what's going through his mind when he's trying to figure out whether or not he wants to keep doing this. So from a personal standpoint, we totally understood. I, I, you give him give a guy the space that he needs. That That's what you got to do. But from, but from a team a, span, standpoint, you're right. freaking out like crazy. From, from a roster-building perspective, because you're already looking for a cornerback because you had an unfortunate uh, death of a player that you added in the offseason. Mm-hmm. And then you're still looking for pass rusher options, which Gamble reported yesterday he thinks is likely to come from cutdowns from another team, a veteran who's on another team that gets sure. cut. Uh, so we'll see what happens there. You're still constructing this roster if you're the Cardinals. I believe they have somewhere in the range of like $10 million in cap space. If Rodney Hudson had faded to black and let's say he retired, that certainly would have opened up more cap space. But that would have been nice at the beginning of free agency, not necessarily now where there might not be a player out there you want. And all of a sudden you go from having the worst center in the NFL a couple years ago to possibly the best center in the NFL in Rodney Hudson to back to having nothing. Yeah, And so to have him back and to have him committed for this season is such a good thing because it answers that question and we got the Kyler Murray question answered. So now the two biggest things weighing on Cardinals fans are both handled. So the loose ends are tied up right before training camp. Good way to put it. And that's great because we needed that closure as Cardinals viewers, fans, etc. However you want to term yourselves. But like as we teased, what is there left for them to do this offseason? And the answer is plenty, right? You've still lost Christian Kirk. You've still lost Chandler Jones. There are a lot of areas to improve on this roster. So Steve Keim, following the press conference yesterday with Kyler Murray and the contract extension announcement, he joined the Wolf and Luke show. And he was asked, as it has been termed in recent years, when is the next Keim time sign? I would say that um, it'd be likely that we would, would sign a, a couple guys at least, uh, kick some tires. You never know. To me, that's what you do this time of year. Whenever there are guys out there on the street that have had some success in the past, they might determine that it's time to get off the couch and take a chance on that guy. And again, we've had a few guys in the past that we've had success with that we signed this time of year. I think Jermaine Gresham was one of them. Tommy Kelly. There were some different guys that we signed later in the process um, that have helped us. So I you remember know, going all the way back to John Abraham. Yes. Eric Winston. Exactly. Eric yeah, Winston. Yeah. That's right. That was big time. Right yeah. There. So again, th- there'll be opportunities and, and we'll certainly jump if there are. So it sounds like they're looking for veterans and you mentioned about $10 million in cap space. So the flexibility is not completely there if you want to get a big name addition because then you're, you're strapped financially. But you still have an opportunity to get some veterans that can help fill some of those gaps. Yeah, it's funny. They named a bunch of names there, and I'd, I'd actually been thinking of others. I mean, there was Dwight Freeney. There was mm-hmm. uh, John Abraham was a name that I wrote down as well. Terrell Suggs, Chris Johnson, who was one of the best running backs in the league as a Cardinal for a time before getting injured. Marcus Cooper, they made a, a late-round draft trade for him. There's plenty of guys who you can get at this point who are still possible contra- uh, contributors to this team right. in the regular season. I think, obviously, cornerback is is the big one that everyone's going to look at. They added Jeff Gladney, who had a lot of upside. Unfortunately, he passed away this offseason, uh, tragically. So there's still a question mark there. At what do you do with the cornerback position? I know Gambo talked about the possibility of Byron Murphy being a candidate for a contract extension. Mm-hmm. That doesn't solve the position, certainly, no, it, but it does bring a little more stability long-term. I mean... The cornerback room depth is is probably the most lacking group of the bunch. 
And there's still plenty of quarter cornerbacks, excuse me, on the market that still have a lot of upside and you could probably get on the cheap. Now, the expensive one is going to be Kevin King. And I know his name has been brought up a lot. Gambo has reported that the Cardinals are very interested in Kevin King. But I'm sure part of it is to get him at a certain price point. Here are just some other names that I'm seeing, courtesy of Track, just pointing out some of the cornerbacks that are on the market. These are all veterans. Joe Hayden, he's 33 years old, last played with Pittsburgh. Chris Harris Jr., 33, last played with the Chargers. Janoris Jenkins is still out there. He's 33. Xavier Rhodes is 32. A.J. Boyer is 30. Vernon Hargraves is 27. Like, there's still plenty of options out there for them to look at, but you got to find the right one. Man, I love Chris Harris. I don't know what he's still got left in the tank. I don't know how last season went, but, um, well, you're a Broncos fan, so you, of course, you love Chris Harris. I paid enough attention to him, and the reason that the Broncos were very willing to let him go is, you know, just the speed is going downhill. When you get, it's the same thing that happened to Patrick Peterson. The burst is no longer there. So it's very evident that that guy is going to get beat more often than he's going to beat you. And while I don't think any of those guys are necessarily clear-cut number one corners anymore, maybe they are on this team, I don't know. Like I look around the cornerback room, and really what it is is it's two guys. You have Byron Murphy, who's, for all intents and purposes, your number one corner. And then you have Marco Wilson, who had a decent enough rookie season for a guy who got picked in, I think, the fourth round. That's not a bad That's not a bad contributor to your team. Well, so, that's what happens when you throw a shoe in a big title game. <laughs> right. But is Byron Murphy a number one corner on any other team in the NFL right now? I think he's probably a number two on most teams. He might just be their slot corner. That's kind of what he's best at, right? Is Marco Wilson a number two cornerback on most teams in the NFL? He's probably probably more of a three. So you just need to add that one extra guy, the the, the same that Robert Alford has supposed to have been the last couple of years. And reportedly, Robert Alford was at one point offered the veterans minimum to come back with the Cardinals. I don't know (laughs) that he wants to do that. And he's still out there if you want that familiarity. It's an option, yeah. And, and, And like we talked about yesterday in the afternoon was, you know, you're going to more likely hit on a guy that's been on your team before than a new guy. You don't always want to go after a brand new free agent because you just don't know. Look what happened with Jordan Phillips. They brought him in after one really good year in Buffalo, and it just didn't work in Arizona. And I'm not saying he's a bad football player. I think he's back in Buffalo now. I mean, he might have success there, but it just didn't happen here. You're more likely to hit on guys that you know and you're very familiar with. But yes, I think I think cornerback needs to be the next big move. Uh, and there's also going to be other contract extensions. I mean, left tackle, we know, DJ Humphreys. Yeah, we know other positions that they got to address as well. But I think cornerback is at the top of the list. I'm right there with you. It's got to be. Coming up next on the show, breaking news that came down just this morning. It's the latest contract extension in the Valley. I'm not talking about Kyler Murray. It's somebody else. And it's very important. And it's next on Arizona Sports Saturday.